as I processed what was going on, I was just like, wow, you know what, man, I had it that my dream was a one-time event. Like I just said, there was, I was so laser focused on this one goal and so myopic about this one thing that it just occurred to me as a, it was, only, I only had one opportunity. Mm. And in, within a, an hour or two of laying in the tent up there, I, I was like, well, shit, man, I can, I can do this dream as many times as I want. Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. All right. Good morning, everyone. My name is Barry Overton, and I'm honored to be your host here today for the Agent Power Huddle. And we have a very dynamic speaker that's going to be joining us today. I'm really excited to have him on. I've had the pleasure of becoming his friend over the last year and just learning so much from him just from a mindset standpoint and, and being able to, you know, resilience and, and overcoming struggle and how it applies to business, how it applies to family. Uh, but let me just tell you a little bit about him. Uh, first and foremost, he is a realtor. He's also a coach. He's a yoga teacher, a med meditation teacher, a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach, an Ironman competitor, endurance athlete, a nationally ranked gymnast, and an adventure sports enthusiast. And probably uh, his, his proudest uh, accomplishment is being a husband and a stepdad. But when you, when you put all of those things together, He's just uh, in one phrase, he's a bad man. <laughs> and I am glad to have him on with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tim Murray. How you doing, sir? Good. After an introduction. Uh -oh. That you can't go wrong. Hear those right. words. We're, we're, man. we're having you. a little technical. Uh, pleasure to be here this morning. So to uh ah. All right, I think we got you now. All right, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we got you. Yeah, cool. Hey, thank you so much for those kind words, Barry. It's an honor to be on here this morning with you guys. Um, yeah, stoked to uh, help everybody get fired up to start their day the right way. Yeah, so, you know, and when I was uh, doing some research on Everest, and I know you probably have the number to the person, the number of people that have climbed Everest, uh, it, it was really intriguing to me. I know uh, when I looked, it, it was like just eclipsed uh, 6,000 in January of this year. Do you know what that exact number is now or roughly what it is? I don't know. You know what? I don't really follow that. I, I rely on on you guys to tell me numbers like that. Um, I know it's it's not many and, it, yeah. and it's even it's even fewer than have summited. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the, the funny thing about it is when you, you start, you, you hear 6,000, it sounds like a lot of people, but we're talking about ever. And so I, you know, I was doing my research and I looked in and I saw that there's been 117 billion people that have walked the earth from the beginning of time. And 6,000, roughly 6,000 have climbed Everest. And you are one of them. That that amounts to about one out of every 18 million people. There's 21 million people in Florida. You know, so that means 1.2 million people in Florida roughly have have uh, climbed Everest. 
So when you put it in that perspective, you know that this is a, a pretty amazing feat that, of what you you did. But I want to go back and talk about the beginning. Where where did the dream and the desire to to climb start for you? Oh man, in high, when I was sixteen, when I was in high school, um, I did a Colorado Outward Bound course here in uh, in Colorado, right up uh, right above Vail on the Gore Range. Everything about it captured my attention. Self-reliant in in the wilderness, um, it, it touched me. It moved me, and I thought back then, um, you know, Outside Magazine was coming online, and um, I just started to become aware at that time of um, of Everest and of Nepal. I, I was already aware of like uh, the Andes and Peru and all of that. And I just kind of once I started getting into the mountains, I was like, okay, cool. I want to do the biggest one. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it became a part of the vision board for you pretty pretty early in life. Yeah. And, and, we, and we're going to kind of talk uh, actual climbing Everest. And then just as we all have these mountains and, and challenges that we face, how we go about climbing them as we, we create our vision boards and, and create our goals and dreams. Uh, when they're big like that, they, they can be, it, it can be daunting. It can be it can create fear in you. So I want to kind of be able to go in and out of talking about actually climbing Everest and then how we, you know, climbing the Everest that we have on our vision board, whatever that may be, how this correlates with that. So, you know, and obviously you're 16 and you have this dream. You don't just uh, go wake up one day and say, I'm going to climb Everest. There's preparation that that goes into that can you share some of that with us yeah so when i was 16 i i had it like i had it that i would climb everest um by the time i was 50 years old because when i was 16 50 sounded like you know that, that you're in your end days when you're hitting 50 and you haven't gotten your stuff squared away by then you you're probably not going to get it done <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it required you know like your physical body i had it that you know at 50 your physical body was just going to be deteriorating so badly that it would wouldn't be worthwhile so you know i set basically you know a 34 year trajectory to say like hey man i'm gonna push myself as hard as i can in endurance sports i was a professional endurance athlete for quite a while um and and really really see what i'm capable of like what are my limits knowing that the end goal 34 within the next 34 years i'm gonna climb everest and so as i as i crept through you know my college years i climbed a ton all over the place rock and and mountain um you know all over the all over the place and then after call even during college i went to the himalayas i made a point of trekking in in nepal two years in a row i was over there again a third year in 2000 for the uh, world championships of adventure racing. So that was a huge, huge deal where, you know, we, we covered over 400 miles across the Tibetan plateau and over the Himalayas down through Nepal into Northern India in eight days. Wow. And we're, we're talking about eight days of like maybe, maybe 12 hours of sleep over the cum of eight days. And so preparation like that, where it was just like, okay, hey, cool. I'm really going to go deep into the suffer zone. I'm really going to go deep into like what I'm capable of and like, where do the wheels just fall off? Mm-hmm. Knowing that every time I put myself there, I was building more character for Everest. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and we talk we're talking kind of more so from the physical aspect of actually going out and doing. But I'm sure that there was mental preparation uh, that you have to go through as well. I'm sure there were challenges. I'm sure there were points where you thought maybe this isn't my dream. How, how did you uh, go through the process of, of of building the mental stamina that it takes to, to, to climb? Woof. Yeah. So again, is it like, as I got closer in the last four years leading up to me climbing Everest, I had a, I had a, uh, a plan of which mountains to climb in which order to continually get bigger and acclimate higher and higher and, and ultimately practice that, you know, it's, it's eight to 12 to 16 hours a day of putting one foot in front of the other and taking a whole bunch of breaths between each step and being all up in your head about all those things, you know, like, what am I doing? Is this really, is this really what I signed up for? You know, what is happening? Like I am dying here and this sucks and it's miserable. And what's the point? And in those moments, and I think we all can relate to that, you know, whatever, whether it's in sales or in your family life or, you know, whatever your deal is, your athletic achievements, you know, to, to get your mind right about the very fundamental thoughts of getting your brain out of that dark place and switching it back over to some super good affirmations. I mean, just to have affirmations running over and over and over that you you can do this. You're you are doing it. You're in the middle of the experience, which says a lot that proves you're committed. It proves that you're on point. It proves you're exactly where you said you were going to be. So like acknowledge it and, and say like, hey, man, I'm doing this right now. I got this, you know, and, and to know that you're strong enough to have gotten yourself in the position that you're in. And you're the whole goal is to you know, be better, be stronger, take the next step. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, and, that, and that's really the mentality that I, I have to take in like you said, doing real estate or, you know, anything that you're you're setting a goal for, there's going to be a point where the resistance gets so heavy that you start to question, is this what I should be doing right now? And if you can have that that conversation with yourself of saying, take one more step and then take it and then say it again, take one more step. And it's just, you know, in business, get do it one more day, make one more call, you know, just taking it one step at a time, uh, you know, again, whether it's climbing, whether it's, uh, you know, building your real estate business, whatever the case may be, uh, it, it it holds so true to, to anything that we're doing in life. Uh, so for you, you know, again, you, you have this mental preparation, you had the physical aspect of it. And once again, you know, you, you said that there was a blueprint of mountains that you wanted to climb to work your way to it. I think in, you know, especially in business, a lot of times we see the summit, we see the, the pinnacle of what we're trying to reach. And we just want to go straight from from ground zero to twenty nine thousand feet. Yeah. Uh, but there, there's a there, there's a process can you share more in regards to the process and staying staying um, motivated as you go through that process? Yeah, so that's a great question, Barry. I think all the time, like in with mountaineering, man, it's it's pure physiology, it, and it's a it's a science of how much oxygen is available <laughs> and <laughs> how you acclimate your body to using that oxygen. And when you're above 
honestly, man, when you're above 8,000 feet, you probably shouldn't go more than 3,000 in, in these notches where like you're in Colorado or even in the lower 48, anybody who's into walking uphill knows that there's a bunch of 14,000 foot peaks. Mount Whitney's the biggest one. There's 56 of them or whatever here in Colorado. And um, anyways, we're, we know what it looks like and feels like most of us to try to hike to the top of a 14er. And so you got to get used to doing that for a long time. And then you make a notch up to say, okay, you know, the next, the next notch up is like between 18 and 20,000 feet. And there's only so many of those. I mean, there's a lot of them, but there's only so many mountains like that in the world. And where are they? And where do you want to do? How do you want to spend more time up there? So like I took a, you know, like, man, I love vacationing in Mexico. I think Mexico is the coolest place ever. I really do. And Pico de Orizaba, the big volcano down in Mexico, it's 18,650 feet. And you can, you could fly. I mean, you and me, we could get on a flight DIA right now today, and we could be in Mexico city. And by this afternoon, we could be at the 14,000 foot base camp on an 18,000 foot mountain. Mm. And to put that into perspective, right, we're used to hiking up to 14 and running out of breath, but the, the starting point in Mexico is 14. Like that's where you rest and sleep and recover. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're going to go, you're going to go 4,500 vertical feet in, in one day. And so it, that you're almost guaranteed to get some altitude sickness and come down to 14 and just feel like ham, you're hammered. you you got nothing. Your body's rejecting everything. Cause there's just not enough oxygen. So get used to doing that and then going higher, you know? So like, Climbed Denali, I climbed Aconcagua. You start down the list of the seven summits, the highest peak on each continent. You start analyzing like, oh yeah, that one would be cool. That would be cool because now I need to know what it, I know what it feels like at 18.6. Now I need to know what it feels like at 20. Yeah. And then I need to know what it feels like at 22. You know, and Everest is, Everest is 29. Mm-hmm. You know, so like in business, we, I think we get, we get around the like 3X maybe. Like you, maybe if you're, if you've got all the systems working, you're going to 3X your business in the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think with mountaineering, it's maybe uh, 1X a year is, is probably like, unless you're, unless you're young and you've got unlimited cash <laughs> and you yeah. can spend a lot of time at a high altitude, just training at high altitude, you know, like I'm, like I'm planning on doing Everest again. And I think one of my moves is to get a vacation home in Leadville because it's at 10,000 feet and just live and work up there. Because my, you know, my system will be better for it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so while we're talking about that, that climb, so you gave it to us from a standpoint of finding the next peak. We have all these 14ers here in Colorado. So you had to find, you know, the 18 and then you had to find the 20 and the 21. But something interesting that you shared with me in regards to when you were actually climbing Everest was the acclimation aspect of things and where you would go up, but then you would come back down and you would go up again, all because of acclimating the body. Can you share more with us in, in regards to that? Yeah. So on, on any of the big peaks, the big, bigger mountains, you, uh, right. You want to go up and touch that 3000 from wherever you're at. Right. So on Everest, for instance, base camps at 17.5 and you spend about, I don't know, depending on the weather and depending on how everybody's feeling, there's a lot of different variables there, but uh, you spend like, you know, four to seven days just hanging out, letting your body get used to what, what is a day look like and feel like at 17,500 feet where there's 
35 or 40 percent less oxygen. Mm. Wow. Right. 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 So imagine, you know, like remember everybody was freaking out when we had to we had to wear these things. <laughs> like it's like wearing like three of these things and trying to breathe. Mm. Right. And yeah. so you just get your you get your body used to that, what that feels like. You get your in and you gotta <laughs> at that altitude, your body, you just become acutely aware of all of your most basic systems. I mean, you're, cause you're just like on this borderline malaise, like you're not sick, but you're not well, your, your yeah. stomach, your stomach's a little jacked up, your head's a little jacked up and it, it just takes a lot. You're not sleeping well. My resting heart rate at base camp would like when I would wake up and look at my heart rate monitor after a night's sleep, it would be above a hundred beats per minute. It would be like 108 beats per minute. And that's as, that's as relaxed and as rested as I was going to get for seven weeks. Mm. Right. And so then from base camp, after you get used to that, you start, you start making your way up through the Kumbu and you're just like, okay, we're going to go another thousand feet, 1500 feet. And we're going to sit down and drink water and eat snacks and just check in like who's dying. Like what's going on or how easy is it to breathe? What does this feel like? How are we doing? You know, what's happening? And even in those little jaunts, I was thinking, even then I was thinking like, holy crap, you know, going up to 19,000 feet, I was just like, my lungs, I'm, this is, this is a lot of work, yeah. a lot of work. I mean, it's stuff like in the, the Kumbu ice falls, an amazing, very dangerous place, but it's an amazing thing. And I, and I told, I've told everybody like, Man, if they could 3D model that thing and put it at City Park or Wash Park, it would be the coolest playground. It would be everybody would be so stoked to go in there, like just unlimited climbing opportunities in this giant ice box, whatever, with a you know narrow path and the ladders and all that stuff. A lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. You know, where stuff can crush you in a minute just on a whim. But the you know the deal was like, okay, this is what it feels like to breathe here without any oxygen assistance. Then you go back down to base camp and hang out and recover for three, four, five days. You know, then you go up and you make it up through the Kumbu and you spend a night at camp, which is at uh, 9,000 feet above base camp. And um, you hang out there. Uh oh, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. All right, cool. Um, you hang out there for a night. And then on the next morning, you start to walk up to camp two. Again, you're just trying to edge up like another thousand feet just to see like what, what's it feel like? How's everybody feeling? How's the pace? How's your digestion? How, what's up? What's happening? <laughs> you know, and then you go back down, spend another night at camp one and then go back down to base camp and hang out for a few days. Then on the next rotation, you go to camp two and you hang out at camp two, which is at 21, 22,000 feet. And you roll up to the base of the Lhotse face. You take a day hike, you know, they would in climbing, they'd be like, Oh, it's your recovery day. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to walk from 22,000 feet up to 23,000 feet without any oxygen where I'm like, you know, taking one step and two or three breaths before I can even take another step. Wow. Right. So everybody in our culture is all like, Hey, slow down, pump the brakes. And I, you know, I've said forever, like mountaineering is the slowest 
extreme sport on the planet. Mm. You know, you're taking a step and you're catching your breath. And in that breath cycle of two or three breaths, you're, you're reminding yourself why you're there. You're being grateful that your body's holding up. You're being grateful that you're not getting an avalanche hasn't hit you. You're being grateful that you're alive. You're being grateful that you're, man, there's so much spirituality over there, Barry. It's um, mm-hmm. you know, the Buddhism, the Buddhism there. You just, you're really tuned in to the, you're, you're in the, you're in the palm of God. And if he wants to crush you, man, it's, mm-hmm. it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, uh, that when you shared that with me, the value that I got in that lesson was was the fact that, again, when we are in our business or whatever it is that we're doing that we're aspiring to, we we always look at it as, okay, I make it to this this level. And then the next step is to go to the next level. But and if we take a step back or if we take multiple steps back, if we go back a thousand feet you know, we look at that as uh, failure. We look at that as not being a part of the process. Something went wrong. But what you're sharing with me and what I understood and took from it is, no, it is a part of the process. Because in order to be able to continue the climb, I have to become acclimated to where I'm at right now. So I'm here for a moment, but I know that I got to go back to where I came from and climb this again and do it a couple of times before I make the next uh, ascension uh, in the climb. And when I took that, you know, thinking of it from my a business perspective, it it helps me every time there's a setback. Every time I'm going back, it's like, what do I need to learn from taking the steps back? So when I make the climb the next time, that I got more oxygen, that I'm prepared better. To, to really ascend and continue to ascend. So like I said, that was probably, you know, sharing what you shared about this, um, this journey for yourself. That was the most important thing that I took away from it. And it's helped me so much um, in business and in my mental thinking about, fall, you know, having to, to take steps back. Uh, so I definitely appreciate that. Nice, man. That's a, that's a huge takeaway. I appreciate that. That's a, perspectives i'm glad that's what you got out back at base camp i mean if we were you know just if we just took like the physiological concept of recovery and put it into the business model you know i think it's the same you know i think all of us have a have some kind of a a daily routine that keeps us grounded and keeps us focused and keeps us you know on track and if you don't you please get one <laughs> you know get, you know get your meditation or your yoga your workout or your fresh air or your walk or whatever your routine is to get your head right for the day you know, that's what we're doing at base camp. We're getting we're getting back into the, the bucket of recovery. It's a bunch of reassurance, you know, where you get to pinch yourself and be like, oh, yeah, man, I I did that. You know, I look I'm looking across the valley, listening to the avalanches crash down every night. And I was just walking up there and I'm back here eating ramen noodles, man. Hallelujah. You know, and it's like in in business, I think that you're right, man. We're always. We've got it that we've just got to be on that linear trajectory. And we as Americans or as humans, I don't know, man, we suck at the at the rest stop and we don't see it as rest. We see it as failure, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, no, man, collect, take some time and collect yourself. I mean, even if that's at the you know, I've, I've told a lot of corporate clients over the years, like 
I get it, man. You're working an 18 hour day and you're saving the world. I get it, man. And take five minutes at the top of every hour and just stand up and be grateful for your body. Be grateful for your mind. Remind yourself what your task is, what your purpose, what are you contributing? Why are you here? You know, just take five minutes, you know, feel the earth, feel the earth beneath your feet, feel the air on your skin, realize how blessed you are. Then get back to it. Then get back to it, man. Then get back to it. Yeah, man, you are speaking my language. I mean, it, it is all about the gratitude. And and again, we get so caught up in the climb of you know prosperity or in our business, and we forget about enjoying what it is that we have achieved, reflecting on what it is we have achieved, and showing and having gratitude for, for that, those achievements. So we got about six minutes here. So I definitely I want to uh jump right into so 29,000 feet, uh, you did not make it to the summit this time, but I just heard you say you're, you're doing it again. Uh, if you want to kind of talk about that experience, kind of closing us out of, of reaching the where you did reach to at 26,000 feet and what, what you took away from that, um, you know, that experience of, of reaching 26,000 and looking forward to, to doing it again. Yeah, you know what? I I, uh, I was reminded of a couple of really powerful things. There's no there's no top to the mountain. Like I, I had that I had that thing where where it was like, holy crap, man! We've been out here for six and a half weeks on this thing, and every day I feel like I'm staring up at the summit at the top of where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And every day, or every few days, or every week, we get a little closer. And, and each one of those rotations was higher than I'd ever been before was better than I'd ever been before. And each one of them felt like what I had expected summiting to feel like, I mean, I was getting, I was getting my ass handed to me on the every 15 minutes, punch Murray in the throat. (laughs) I mean, that's what, that's what it felt like up there. It felt horrible. Uh, Here I am like living my dream and it felt horrible. (laughs) And you know, I, it, when the when the head guide and the head Sherpa came in and into the tent up there at Camp Four and said, "Hey, listen, man, it, we we don't think it's a good idea for you to continue. You're moving too slowly." It was like it was like they took my spirit. The only thing I had left was my spirit. Like physically, physiologically, man, I was I was moving pretty damn slow. There was no doubt about it, and I was there. You know, it was like I, I came into Camp Four like high fiving and hugging people, and they're like. You're like, you need to calm the fuck down and save your energy or you're going to die, <laughs> you know? And I was like, okay, check, roger that. And that's hard for me. Like, I'm, I'm stoked that I'm here. We're here. Like, this is it. We're sitting at the foot of the, of it. We're finally right there looking up at, at Everest, you know? And then, and then as I processed what was going on, I was just like, wow, you know what, man? I had it that my dream was a, was a, uh, was a one-time event. Like I just said, there was, I was so laser focused on this one goal and so myopic about this one thing that it just occurred to me as a, it was, only, I only had one opportunity. Mm. And in within a, an hour or two of laying in the tent up there, I, I was like, well, shit, man, I can, I can do this dream as many times as I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love you that. Know? Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that, man, that's another lesson right there because Again, I think a lot of times we think I got one shot at it and yeah. here it is, you know, and then we take that setback and think, man, I blew my shot. 
but you still got, you know, blood pumping through your veins. You still have the passion and the desire. And there's nothing that's telling you that you can't do it again. And yeah. that's the same type of mindset that we have to take into anything that we 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 have that setback. Just know, OK, I learned something from this that is going to help me make it further the next time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's always like you're always learning. You always got to be progressing. You never no matter how smart or how fast or how strong or how successful you are or whatever, there's always going to be somebody better. And there's going to be a whole bunch of people right behind you that want what you have. And you just got to get back into your own space in your own lane and be grateful that you're where you're at. And, and what are the lessons to move forward? Like how, how can I tighten it up next time? You know, I've already got a whole different game plan going into climbing Everest again. Right. And I think, um, it just, I think one of the other big takeaways I want to leave people with that I, that I came away from, from there was community, mm. like, and who you surround yourself with and who's got your back and, and to realize that it takes a village, like, yeah. you know, success is not, it doesn't have, it should not be a lonely pursuit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Tim, I, you know, I could talk to you all day about this, but we're uh, coming to a close here. But if you want to just share with our audience how they can reach out to you, um, you know, through your social media and any other way that they can reach out. Tim, Tim Murray Realtor. So Tim Murray Realtor, that's IG, Facebook. Um, that's my Gmail, Tim Murray Realtor at Gmail. Um Man, my phone number, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of an old dude. I love getting a text or a call. If somebody actually calls me, if my phone rings, I'm like, wow, how cool is that? Like people want to communicate. So <laughs> yeah, it's all over there. It's uh, my contact information. If you can't find it, man, uh, I don't know. I'd be frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll definitely make sure we we put it into the, uh, the YouTube as well. Uh, cool. Tim, man, it is a pleasure and an honor to call you a friend. Thank you so much uh, for sharing this. Like I said, I know there's so much more that you you can share. Ladies and gentlemen, if you heard something here that inspires you, reach out to Tim. He does in-person classes. So if you're in, here in the Denver market, you can actually go to one of his in-person classes where he talks more about Everest. He does a, a an online Zoom uh, of the same class, and it's a, about an hour long. Uh, but definitely tap into him because you want to understand the mindset and the spirit that's inside of him that allows him to do the things that he, he's been able to achieve and be able to, to adopt some of that for yourself to be able to achieve the goals that you're, you're looking to achieve. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today uh, on the Agent Power Huddle and have a great rest of your week. Goodbye. Thanks, guys. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.